the I just see rack come up out of the grass and it was like right there. Yeah. So I didn't even look at it. He was quarter to me. I just clipped onto my string and I drew my bow as slow as I could. And I'm pretty sure he was looking at me the whole time. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Zeratech Software Development. Are you a company whose commitment to excellence demands effective software tools? Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help build or enhance your technological systems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. You can find them at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. Hey guys, today on the podcast, I sat down and chatted with Ricky Kilpla. Ricky is a passionate and hardcore hunter. Uh, he's done a lot of hunts through the years, hunted out West, lives out West. Uh, he's also passionate about horses, he owns a horse spits. His brother Nels owns horses uh, together or separate. They've gone on hunts, shed hunting, scouting, uh, just rides, adventures, the whole bit. Uh, <clears throat> so it's fun to hear about how that whole world started for him, what the hunting world has meant for him, uh, how he learned some of the things that he's learned and just hear the whole bit about it all. So I really appreciated this one. I hope you guys do as well. Welcome to the Obsessed Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Herkus. In this podcast, we get to meet and hear from folks who are obsessed with a wide array of interesting endeavors. We dive into some awesome stories and look at the mindsets and the psychology of those who are obsessed. Let's go. Ricky, thanks for coming in. Yeah, Logan. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, we'll go many directions, chat about many things. But one of the things I wanted to ask you is, so me moving out West was a big deal. Like I loved it and, and, and it became a big part of my life, a big part of my story, uh, eventually led into for you too, right? Hunting for you, it led into horses, which I didn't go down that route. I wasn't there long enough, whatever else. But before we get into the hunting, the horses, that whole world, what was moving out West for you? Like when you moved out there to work in the oil field, that side of things? Well, originally I was, uh, you know, I was going to be an engineer okay. and I was going out there for the summer and yeah, I mean, it was part of it was like responsibility, you know, sure. I mean, working high school jobs and all that, you never, I mean, you had responsibility, but it wasn't like when you first worked in the oil field where you just were given a job and you just had to go do it. You yeah. Know? There's a lot of figure it out kind of out there you know because there just wasn't the people and then for the summers i went for i think i believe two summers and then then i quit school and went out there full time yeah and that was kind of too it was like i'm going to school for a engineering job and i got buddies that are working in north dakota making more money than i would make coming out of college with a bunch of debt and so then I, I just moved out there full time and well, I don't know, would have been 2013, I think. And yeah. then, yeah. But do you remember, was it, uh, for me? And again, I, sometimes I think you put these things in hindsight, like at the time it was just fun. You're hanging out, you're working, you're, you're doing whatever, playing with buddies, stuff like that. But was it, uh, like an adventure back then, right? Those first summers moving out there, doing that kind of thing, or was it kind of just, yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Like a lot, I mean, a lot of that, I mean, living up here, you never, you could never see open country like that. It was, it's different, you know? Yeah. I'll never forget like the first time coming back after being out there for a long time. And it was almost like 
claustrophobic with the trees and everything everything's so tight up here yeah because of the forest but right yeah and it's similar right similar feel and i still i've been living here for four years now and i still just that's that's what home is to me is that open sky and that open country maybe give it another three or four years and and this will feel that way i, I guess they're both home right but yeah. i'm just saying it's just hard to describe and get away from what that is i don't know yeah. something about it yeah uh but it took a while for a few of us guys to get into the hunting out there right was it like 2015 16 14 yeah, something i know like that? i didn't hunt the first i don't think i really or even if i did i didn't hunt that much when i was first out there probably the first couple years yeah it was like i'd be trying to get back here for hunting you know right and right. now i mean i'll hunt here but and i have you know with you know life situations whatever i end up back here around hunting season i'll hunt up here yeah. and i'll have fun doing it but nowadays nowadays hunting here is more like the like nostalgia of it you know yeah. like grew up hunting with my dad and <laughs> and all that but yeah uh but I, even though i wasn't hunting right because there's a part of me that thinks that's the part of the reason i just love it out there anywhere out west is the hunting side of it like you think hey without the hunting lens you wouldn't but i appreciated it before i even started hunting out there you know yeah yeah you were similar yeah yeah i mean and i think i think uh i mean almost everybody who grew up i mean you you know you thought you were gonna be a cowboy one yeah. day you know right and it's like that's you know the, the cowboy hall of fames in medora and like out there it's not unheard of to see somebody riding a horse and there's cattle and you know yeah but no it's something i really appreciated again and lived out there for a while enjoyed the heck out of it but uh did you when you moved out there did you have friends going out there what inspired you to move out there yeah there was i mean my brother oh, a couple brothers were out there and okay and a lot of friends were out there and okay so it was i mean it was pretty easy yeah uh and again you enjoyed the the open skies that side of it but what about the because you go there first summer after high school or the second summer after high school do you remember what the second summer after high school okay and uh so what did you do the first summer i worked at the university with the mechanic you oh. know i mean just a little 40 hour week minimum wage job yeah but. okay and then the second summer you went out west and that was where you uh again you kind of got thrown to the wolves as a as a, as a worker right like you yeah. said there's not people there yeah. You're i just, mean i had never touched any never really used any equipment at the time and then I mean, you just get thrown in a skid steer and do this or thrown in a dozer and mm -hmm. do this and yeah and when you, when you when you went back out there in 2013 did you think you would be there for a long term or a couple of years or did you have any thoughts about that, what that looked like i i didn't think i would be out there as long as i have I, but i've always just been like i don't know i'm here till i'm not you know mm-hmm and i mean i guess that's still how i am like yeah. i'm there till i'm not but now obviously it's it's a little bigger step to get out of there when you know you got horse and you got yeah a lot more roots there a little bit you know right right yeah roots on like a physical level right? like you said the horse and stuff like that but also yeah. just on uh years of history and an appreciation mm -hmm. for the place and all that kind yeah. of stuff eh? yeah 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 and then you start knowing some of the locals and stuff and it's you know 
it's like it's the oil field but then when you get out of town it's just like here you know yeah it's everybody's neighborly and you know. mm-hmm. yeah that was a different world hey the work in the oil field i mean did you have a house when you first got there no i mean no well or even a place the, to throw the, a- i mean the first places i lived were when i first moved out there full-time i actually lived with my brother for a little bit okay and his family and then well then i moved in with my other brother yeah but in so, an apartment but what about those summers though is it did you have apartments or were you sleeping in the back of your truck like some of these guys or what were you i i always had a place to stay because i always knew people out there okay but i mean like the one the one summer it was there was 11 of us in a in a single bedroom <laughs> house i mean there was a basement too so it's basically two bedrooms sure. but there was there was six guys in the basement you know bunk beds and then four guys in the bedroom yeah yeah i mean it was like there's a two-foot alleyway between the two bunk beds in the bedroom yeah and then one guy was sleeping on the couch but yeah and <laughs> we laugh all the time but like the cow house right like we talked yeah. about I, I, they had to have 14 guys in a two-bedroom house I, yeah again if you count the closet as a third bedroom a three bedroom <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it was uh, a little different then like now i would you know now the housing market has came up and there's places to live now but yeah and then you know now okay, when you're all set up you don't you know yeah you, we just i won't live in a i won't share a bedroom with someone anymore you know right it's like yeah yeah what about uh it's funny because it's there's similar opportunity out there right now isn't there i mean it, from a from a job perspective maybe not the amount of jobs but still high paying lots of hour type yeah, jobs I think, right i mean i don't know like someone was just asking me yesterday if we we're busy and honestly i could work every day yeah like from now indefinitely i could work every day just at the company i'm working at right so short yeah you know but that's it, how everybody is on at least on on work over rigs which is where i work but yeah but is it a reflection of our current times or what because when we were out there there was hundreds of people that we knew from the up or wherever else that were out there working because of the opportunity but now there's a similar opportunity but now there it's just not the thing to do anymore well i think i think i think it's there's a couple things i think like the boom out there is not getting the attention it did okay. back when it first took off yeah so you're not getting that steady you know i think there was a revolving door then too oh, yeah, but there sure. was there was a steady stream coming in right where now that stream of people packing up their truck from florida and moving to north dakota just ain't happening because you can get a job in florida now yeah you know you right. can get a job everywhere is looking for people nowadays yeah so people have options at home mm-hmm. that they didn't have before i believe that's part of it and then there's some people that have done it now mm-hmm. and they don't ever want to do it again and they're gone yeah and is that part of it too some people it's weird it's like there's this band of people who enjoyed it really appreciated it and there's a band of people that said man i don't care if i ever go back yeah and what is that i mean it's maybe just the way they look at life or who knows yeah, I, guess, I mean right? it could be and then i mean like a lot of the work like like i mean what i do it ain't for everybody yeah i don't yeah i'll never bat an eye at someone that quits it and leaves like no i don't blame you right there's parts of our job that absolutely suck yeah right that's why you get 
paid good money to do something. You either got to do something that you're better than other people at or something that other people don't want to do. Yeah. Right. No, I, I, I've never done it long term. Like before I came back to real estate, I worked at Big Sky for six months. Yeah. Worked with a good crew. It was unreal. Yeah. Like I really enjoyed it. But in my head, I knew I was gone in six or seven months. Right. Yeah. I've never done it long term to know where you get to the point where it's like, hey, there's no end in sight. Yeah. But you're still pursuing it. But then again, it's, uh, I've heard you guys talk about like, it's, uh, you're living for outside of work, right? You're living yeah. for the, the, your time yeah. off and the hunts and the, whatever else it might be. Right. But do you go through ups and downs of how you feel about that work? You must, right? And, yeah. And, and, yeah. I mean, and like now, you know, I've been, I've done it long enough that I know what, like what's happening. And it's like, like, I understand like this job, I'm not going to do it when I'm 40. Yeah. I can't right. I won't like it's just it's physically hard on your body yeah you know like you get and I've worked with some older guys and I always am like I did something wrong if I'm at their age and I'm doing this you know yeah right that's that's a lot of it too it's uh it's so much easier to get ahead doing this job than mm-hmm. than anything i've done you know right right yeah you put a lot of hours getting paid a good wage right you said like yeah to to do things that most people don't want to do right yeah yeah but yeah i mean there's times i don't want to do it yeah right uh hunting for you how did you get introduced to it out west i mean we can even talk about the up yeah. side of things too right but out west how do you get introduced to it uh, i just in north dakota i just you know bought a boat tag and just started just drive out to the badlands and yeah. hunt you know and i mean it's it's kind of funny at first how like what you thought were big bucks and everything yeah. at the beginning you know <laughs> and it's like no those those are bucks that i don't bat an eyelash at you know but right but yeah that was originally and then but then uh and i don't know I don't think I had killed a buck with the bow yet. And then one year I applied, and this was, uh, it's kind of interesting to watch the Montana take off. But yeah. when I first hunted, when I first looked at hunting Montana with the rifle, and this is probably, I don't know, six, seven years ago maybe, but it was November mm-hmm. and there were still leftover deer tags. Yeah and then the next year i didn't hunt there that year but then the next year i got up i applied for a rifle tag and got a rifle tag and i that was the first that was like the first thing i did on my own you know Mm -hmm. there was no help no nothing i looked at everything i applied for the tag i looked at hunting areas whatever and i ended up going basically drop a pin on a map and went there and set up camp and i shot i mean a decent four by four i don't know yeah nothing wasn't super big or anything but you know obviously it was my first mule deer and my biggest buck at the time Mm -hmm. and so then that got me got me going but then like where it really like took off was when when it was like man i can do this was in the next year well the next year i shot a nice uh, full velvet sweet buck in north dakota but even that you know it was like it's in north dakota but then i went to uh 
I went to South Dakota that year. Well, before that, I had hunted pronghorn in South Dakota for like a week or whatever, 10 days. Yeah. And I shot a pronghorn and I was camping by myself too. And then, and then I went North Dakota, then I went South Dakota for deer and and that was when I shot my biggest whitetail. Mm-hmm. And that was like, that was like the, I mean, that's still probably the highlight yeah. of my hunting. You shot it with a bull at like 10 yards or something, right? Or like, yeah, it was like, I mean, probably seven yards, something right yeah. in there. It was, it was real tight. But. Yeah. And you snuck in on it. It's better. What was the story? I can't remember. Yeah. So, so I had, you know, I had hunted pronghorn there. And I wanted to go back for uh, for whitetails because I'd seen a bunch of whitetails where I was hunting. And so I went back, and it was literally like the first night there. I got there kind of later. So I just was like going to go glass for the night. And I seen a buck, and I'm still not even 100% sure if it was the same buck. I think it was a, it was looked like a 10 in well it was like dark so i couldn't get after him so then the next morning i went in there and i glass that valley and it was supposed to get windy that day so it was like oh if i you know if i find him i think i can kill him and mm-hmm. well then it it got windy real or i didn't see him right away so then I, I was like watching this one valley and then there was another valley with trees in it cottonwoods you know so i was going to cross it and i jumped to, group of bucks and then one of them was a you know big buck and i watched him run like 300 yards into this patch of trees that i mean it was probably 200 yards in length and maybe you know 50 yards across Mm -hmm. and it's right down in the bottom of a valley so i like i like circled around got up on a hill i was trying to glass in there could never see it all you know spent most of the day looking trying to see it in there and then i was like well it was super windy and that wind was coming right down that valley so i was like well i'll just i'll just go in there i'll just still hunt into there and see if i can find them and Mm -hmm. i was like i made it into the trees just a little ways and i seen a doe and a well i seen a doe feeding and i'm watching her and then all of a sudden I seen the butt of a deer coming up this hill and I was like oh oh they're fighting and this is still like one of the weirdest things I've ever seen but I got it on film so I can (laughs) prove it happened but it was a button buck in like a 135 inch 11 pointer yeah and that big buck was pushing that button buck and then I'm like oh the buck's fighting and then that button buck picks his head up and I'm like that don't make sense but but yeah then he fed around for a little bit so i was like you know oh that's the buck i seen you know yeah and then he went back into the trees out of sight you know and so then i started and the doe and button buck like cleared the valley they went over the hill and left so i'm like perfect i started crawling up there and well where they were was a little bench on the side of the valley Mm -hmm. so i crawled up I went up on that bench and then I was like glassing through the brush and you know you can focus your binoculars so you can see through all that brush because it's windy and sunny and all that you know all that movement it's hard to see anything through there and Mm -hmm. I seen 
then I see an eyeball and then I could see eyeball and the main beams and I could tell it was a big buck. Yeah. And it looked like he was looking right at me. So I just sat there and I sat there for probably five minutes, whatever. And he, he stood up and he fed and then he fed around the corner of the, the valley. So I couldn't see him no more. And so I, I was like sitting there. I'm like, I don't know. So like, well, I'm going to go start crawling up in there, see if I can find them. So I went back down into the very bottom and mm-hmm. there's a deer trail down there and there's tall grass, like probably, you know, if I'm on my hands and knees, I'm below the top of the grass. Yeah. So I just crawled and I always had my bow like upright. So it was, so all I had to do was rock back on my heels and I could draw my bow. And I made it like another 20 yards further and then a, a buck stood up out of the out of his bed it was probably like 35 yards and he was feeding and it was like a maybe a 120 inch eight Mm -hmm. and for some reason like i still it's like it don't make sense but in my head i'm like oh there he is right like man he's smaller than i thought he was but i'll shoot him you know Mm -hmm. but there's a like a gnarled trunk that was over the top of him so i knew my arrow the arc of the arrow i would in order to hit the deer i would stick it into that trunk so i had to crawl up like another 20 yards or something so i'm just watching him when his head's down i'd crawl a little bit and then when he'd pick his head up i'd stop and eventually two more little bucks got up with him and they're feeding and so now i'm like kind of like oh boy you know it's real slow then and i finally got to where i was at the point where i could draw my bow and so I'd sat down on my heels and I was just reaching for my rangefinder and out of the corner of my left eye the I just see rack come up out of the grass and it was like right there. Yeah. So I didn't even look at it. He was quarter to me. I just clipped onto my string and I drew my bow as slow as I could. And I'm pretty sure he was looking at me the whole time. Yeah. And I just slowly drew back and slowly put it moved the bow up onto his shoulder and shot and i see there's about you know 15 inches of arrow sticking out yeah and i could see blood right away and he wheeled and turned and there was like 11 deer within 60 yards in that flat that were all bedded and it was just like just deer came up out of everywhere and took off so i ran up into the open and watch all the deer i can't seen come out none of them were him and then it was like i'm like oh yeah he's got to be done and then then all the doubts and i'm like oh man what if he ran out over there or he might have snuck out the bottom and so then i'm like i don't know and at this point i'm still picturing that that 11 pointer that i had seen that was probably 130s and yeah and so then I, I go back, get my pack. I gave him some time, and then I went back up there, and I, like, looking for blood. And, I mean, you know how it is in that grass. Oh, it's uh, so hard to find blood. Right. Especially when it's windy. But, you know, everything's moving. And so I was like, well, I'll just I'll just kind of still hunt up and see if I run into him. And, yeah, I made it, like, 30 yards, and there's a little shelf. And... I got up on the shelf and you could see like the valley kind of opened up down there and I could just see rack sticking up out of the grass. Yeah. And I was like, 
I looked at him like, holy cow. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah, I kept walking up to him like, man, this is not the buck I thought it was. Right. He was way bigger, but. Yeah. Ended up being a huge nine, right? Yeah. 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 Big nine. He had junk on his bases. I mean, like 26 inch beams. and Yeah. Unbelievable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at Breakwater Federal Credit Union in Houghton, Michigan. Banking with a credit union is ideal because there are less service fees and lower loan interest rates than a regular bank. Plus, they are local and staffed by our family and friends. New members can use the coupon code OBSESSED when they come to open an account and receive $50 in their account. This coupon code expires March 31st, 2023. If you're looking for a financial institution that puts you and your financial health first, be sure to check out Breakwater Federal Credit Union. Forrester Research interviewed 206 senior technology leaders in major organizations responsible for software development sourcing. 63% said their software development service partners do not have a full understanding of their end customer. If you're dead serious about moving faster and getting more done, Zeratech Software Development can help you move forward with confidence. Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help solve your problems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. As they align with their clients, they use a proven method to understand the scope of the problem and help demystify the steps to make it go away. They will deliver the software solution you need, and they do it with the integrity that you'd expect from a family-owned business in the heartland of America. Schedule a call with the team at Zeratech today at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. So that was you had South Dakota pronghorn. You killed something that year. That was that was that crazy velvet with yeah non typical all, all the junk in yeah. North Dakota. Then the one in South Dakota. What did you do after that? It seems like you had like five or six animals that year that you put down. Yeah. Then I I uh, I shot one up here. Mm-hmm. I hunted up here rifle season. I shot. I mean that was like a little half rack. Yeah. Or something, but that was actually probably my biggest buck up here at the time. But, yeah. And then. I killed one in Arizona too. Okay, coos deer. Yeah, unreal. So that, was, but that was your. I remember that year, right? That you just had an unbelievable year. Yeah. But that was your first year that it was like that. The year before was a Montana rifle. Uh, yeah. But when you like you were hunting Montana, you were into it. You're excited about it. But then that year just lit it on fire, kind of deal. Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of a combination of that. Like, so I had started. Uh, I had switched to a different job and i was working two weeks on two weeks off yeah so it was every two weeks i was somewhere sure two weeks you know yeah okay through the whole process though have you had a uh right i guess i'm curious like that year that you shot that montana deer do you have like a a change in excitement or a addiction to it all or is it kind of just an ever-growing thing through the whole deal or what is that what yeah, I like? think yeah, I think so. And I think a big thing when I shot that buck in South Dakota, that was like 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 that was like a eye opener. Like big deer are possible, mm-hmm. you know. Like it's it's possible, yeah. and it still took me a long time to be able to pass like good deer, you know. Like right. like if it was a halfway decent buck, it was hard to pass. Yeah, but where now I generally won't you know i mean depending on the hunt like obviously when you if i'm hunting the up i'm not gonna pass an eight pointer right might as well not even hunt if you're not gonna shoot an eight pointer up here no right yeah no i'm just curious what your 
like what the trajectory is like and for me it's just an ever-growing thing like it feels yeah. like how can you find the end of it but you just keep finding more and more and more right of a mm-hmm. passion for it but eventually that led to horses for you right yeah well those it was kind of interesting because <clears throat> when i first the first time i elk hunted we had horses it was over the counter unit in colorado mm-hmm. and we packed in with horses and there was there wasn't a lot of experience and it was kind of a mess and mm-hmm. and then horses are nice but they're also horses you're kind of you're running livestock up in the hills when you got horses it's a it's a whole nother thing you got to deal with you know right and to me it was almost frustrating that first that first hunt it was just like i was like why do we even have these things they just right they just wrecked the hunt and you can't hunt you know right, right. you gotta deal with them in the morning and but then uh after that hunt then in north dakota actually i started riding you know chris chris hendrickson's horses yeah and it was like man this is fun you know and then it was like nell's got horses and i'm like man i don't know so then i ended up getting a horse and then then that's where it like started to change you know well actually actually i guess where it changed was the second year we hunted with horses we hunted we get apply for a draw area mm-hmm. and we drew it in that one we pack in with horses and then that one there's more people there and we actually used horses mm-hmm. you know to hunt like because that area you hunt we camp on top so you have access to a lot more country because we kind of have a big crew yeah well then you we just you know ride them or lead them down into these holes off the off the side and then you hunt and then you come back and instead of crawling two thousand feet up and out of this hole you just saddle up a horse and hop on the back and he carries you out carries you up to the top and back to camp you know yeah and so yeah after that year it was like you know maybe they're not so bad and then then in north dakota it was like man this is fun you know just you got unlimited riding in the badlands and so then i got a horse and then now it's like yeah it's about up there with hunting now right i asked now a similar question about horses photography hunting right but if that's what i ask you too i mean it, it, is it almost equal like if you had to give one up i mean it's a it's an impossible question right but because yeah, they go hand in hand yeah but. i yeah i don't know i mean i i don't think i could ever give either one of them up but yeah that's uh yeah, what I want to do eventually is go with go with two horses, and you know you've heard of the Montana Unlimited Sheep Hunt. Mm-hmm. I'd like to go hunt that with go like basically backpack hunt with horses, you right. know, right. where you got camp on the pack horse and you just travel. Yeah, you know, you gonna do that someday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta gotta get a little better situation for the horses, and then I'll get another horse and yeah. Cause right now you've got one yeah. horse what's the horse's name uh spitz spitz okay and how old is that horse i don't know much about horses he's four okay uh so but riding that that second year that hunt made you say hey maybe there is something here riding with yeah. chris and the guys then you're like hey this is actually enjoyable now you got your own again same deal probably similar to hunting you just grow more and more of an appreciation yeah. for it or what yeah yeah and then like so he's young you know four is they're still like considered a cult and 
and when i got him he had been ridden a couple times and i mean it's it's just fun to watch like the uh the progress Mm -hmm. you know yeah it's got to be like i mean not to relate it to having kids but like when you have a with children right you notice such little nuances as their parent that nobody else would ever notice right yeah like little development things like you see them struggling with this thing and then in a in a uh, a social setting you see them overcome that and 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 have the confidence to say please and thank you or whatever yeah. right little things that you're like nobody else notices but you as a parent like that's a big deal right yeah there's got to be similar deals with horses right yeah 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 and yeah obviously you you know i mean there's people that compare dogs and stuff to kids and right. i'm just sorry it's yeah. just not it's, <laughs> it's not real but yeah. but yeah there is like there is a lot of that and then too you know we took um last year when we went elk hunting in over the counter area we just took them with just to pack out elk if we got elk yeah and it was like from last year to this year was the first first time you know we i, I actually took them you know hunting and mm-hmm. back country like we packed up you know and i rode them up the mountain and stayed up there and yeah in the back country for two weeks with them you know but it it's you know because it's like when you deal with them like almost every day i mean not almost every day because i work for two weeks i don't i you know i work for two weeks but yeah but then it's like you know the all the progress you see it happen because it's all slow yeah you know it's all minute steps like generally it's you know the next ride is a little step starts a a step back from the last ride Mm -hmm. but then it ends you know sometimes leaps and bounds ahead sometimes not but right but it was just interesting to see like how much better he was like in a year because it's like a lot of you don't there's not a lot of like just milestones you know it's like everything happens like you look at yourself in the mirror every day nothing changes but after a year it's all different you know right years it's different but yeah so you yeah and whereas a hunt it really puts a, a spotlight on you can yeah. think to last year how was that different versus just your daily rides or something yeah. like that yeah. and then two you know there was we had our three horses and then rented six horses okay and it was just interesting to see the differences there you know it's like these are rental horses but you know in certain ways they're ahead of my horse like i mean none of them ever had like he had an episode coming down where he i don't know what happened i think the the horse i was leading bit him in the butt okay and he kind of he kind of broke into it and we were spinning circles and he got a little bothered but mm-hmm. but then some of them horses there's no way you could ride them out alone they just go nuts hmm. and like him i went one day it was kind of just a test because i wanted to try it mm-hmm. but i rode him out from camp by myself and it was like it was a long ways too it was like six miles mm-hmm. to where i tied up and tied them up high lined them and then went hunt for four or five hours and came back and it was like he was he was far better than most of the other horses you know hmm. the other horses are all they need to be together or something like that those rental horses or what it's some of them okay some of them are yeah it's kind of and most of them usually those will have more of issues because that's the thing with with my horse most of the time i ride it's alone yeah. you know 
like i'll go if i'm going for a short ride i'll go to where we keep them and i'll just catch them saddle them and just ride from there and i'll kind of do this big loop through the neighbor's place and yeah but or else even if i trailer them you know it's like out here everybody or out west everybody's working so it's like not necessarily as anybody off when you're off so Mm -hmm. but what about uh like the appreciation for the horses would you ever take that into a career or some kind of a business or something like that i i mean i thought i mean you could train horses and like i would love i like breaking colts is very interesting to me like but or starting them as they call it now but because they don't really do it the the way they used to anymore but okay but i but i mean it's just hard to make a living at it yeah i'd do it for fun but sure that's what i my next horse i kind of want one that's untouched okay that all that it's basically just a horse you know no no training yeah at most maybe like halter broke which that's like the thing you put on them to lead them yeah but um and is that strictly because you want to have the influence over that horse from step one or is there like a is it almost like a, a challenge that's similar to archery versus rifle hunting or something like that yeah yeah i think so i mean i think it's like uh it's like the independence of a fin almost yeah you know? it's like like that's like my horse it's like i did most of the training but right but i wasn't the first one to swing a leg over him you know yeah yeah i can see that what about uh and again we'll jump around but I think I asked Nels too, right? But what about the thought of taking your horse on a long distance thing? Like one of these, uh, the Pacific Crest Trail or blaze your own trail, Canada to Mexico, some type of long distance hike, camp, whatever it might be. Would you ever consider something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would be cool, but I just like, to me, that's, I would rather do like, like go on a hunting trip with two horses and go cover ground for that, you know, not just not just for for no reason you know right just for but. sure no i have a drive to go hike <laughs> one of these things it doesn't even make sense right yeah but i think part of it is like for me i don't know what exactly what it is i think if i was in your shoes where i could do and obviously you could right but just whatever situations where you could do five hunts a year whatever else to me it's like that's a no-brainer go mm-hmm. do that for sure right so it's yeah that, i mean that makes total sense for sure if i had to yeah. choose between hey i'm gonna do, go to five hunts week two weeks whatever it might be or go hike for four months like for sure i'm doing the five hunts yeah but, yeah so yeah who knows but it's uh i think if i was to do something like that i guess you could hunt sometimes in the spring right you guys have found different hunts to do but i think if i was to do it it'd have to be like a midsummer, like not wreck your yeah. hunting season type of thing yeah but then you get into like the uh, realities of life. How do you just not work for mm-hmm. seven months straight or whatever, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, and, and for me, that wouldn't be super difficult, but it would be a, it would be a big, you know, like I could swing it, mm-hmm. but it would be, you would, you know, you'd stop getting ahead a right. lot, you know? For sure, right? Yeah, and if you got goals on a financial level or retirement level or moving back yeah. here or whatever, yeah, that could influence that. But uh, for you, I romanticize a lot of things, right? Like I'm saying, if I'm going hunt to me, I'm an adventurer, I'm an explorer. Yeah. Like especially when I'm by myself, for some reason, there's this extra element when I'm by myself. But either way, with people or not, right? Uh, like going explore the Badlands, hike. Hey, let's go see where we can get to, whatever it might be. Yeah. 
again, you're, you've got a cell phone and Onyx and all this stuff, but either way, in my head, I'm this explorer from 1822 going to check this place out. Do you do a similar deal? Does that feel like that inside or? Yeah. I mean, it depends on where you're at too. It's, it's, it can feel like that sometimes. And then you run into a barbed wire fence yeah. and it's just, <laughs> right. it'll kind of ruin it for you. But <laughs> yeah. Right. Or, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I love being out there. Like, like that's one of the, you know, it's like, I love to hunt. Right. Like, no doubt and hunt hunting like almost takes over the forefront of it but there is a lot of the other stuff too that is that you end up running into that's cool you know like in uh arizona one year i tell this story a lot because it was like it's one of the coolest things i've ever seen you know but it was like a sunny day middle of the day i was out a ways from the truck and i uh you know out there there's sometimes there's service at the top of a peak mm-hmm. and well i was like pretty close and i'm like well i'll just climb up there and see if i have service you know and so i got up to the top and i turned my phone on to see if i had service and i was sitting there in the shade of there's like one lone tree up there and i was sitting in the shade and this hawk came by and it was a south-facing slope, so it's just a sun-baked slope. So there's, you know, you got in the mountains, you'll have those thermals are rising up there. And this hawk came gliding, you know, riding those thermals, just hunting, you know, looking down that slope. Mm-hmm. And as it went by, I don't know what made me think of it, but I was like, oh, I'm going to lip squeak. So I did, like, the little lip squeak that you'd use calling coyotes or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and it, like, it looked like it reacted, but then it just kept, going down heading down the ridge line you know and so i was just sitting there watching it like oh that was like oh that was weird whatever and well it it went like probably 100 150 yards down and then it started circling and gaining elevation and it went up probably 50 feet and then it dove you know they're they'll tuck and dive uh-huh. and i was like i thought it was going after something over there but it dove just to get speed and then it flared out and it flew and it came flying i mean it was hauling yeah just right at the grass line like it's just above the grass and so i'm sitting there watching it and it's coming straight at me and it got like five (laughs) yards away and i picked my bow up and put my bow in front of my face so it wouldn't hit me if it didn't and it seemed and it just flared up and went back to hunting that ridge line again but it was like yeah. it was kind of cool because it was like yeah that thing it was like marked in his head it's like oh there's something right there yeah but obviously it was like well i can't get it from right here yeah. i gotta go get get some speed down here so he went down the ridge line and got his speed and just came flying i mean like i thought i was gonna get taken out yeah unreal the uh yeah, like I said, I, I romanticize a lot of it. Not always during the fact. Like a lot of times I never like I'm just hunting. I'm looking for a deer or whatever it might be, right? Yeah. But it seems like in, in like in hindsight, I'm looking back on it and thinking about the memories and that's what I remember those moments of like yeah, I don't know, just the the I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it necessarily yeah. what it is. And again, that's just one aspect of it. But I think I, I just realized I just now, I think it is more in hindsight that I do that. I don't think I, yeah. I'm typically hiking around. I'm not like sitting here thinking I'm an explorer. I'm an adventurer mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. You're just like, Hey, let's go over to that ridge and hopefully you can find some deer or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. There's something about it. It's, 
and you can get that up here you can get that anywhere but there's something about that western yeah, landscape and, and, that does it yeah yeah and i think sometimes part of it is like you just grew up around here so yeah all this you just known it all your life you know right take it for granted right mm -hmm. yeah just, it's like lake superior i mean when you live up here you kind of it's just whatever but then right. you go out west and you can't find nothing that doesn't look like a mud puddle you know all the water out there is it's that clay just right gets suspended in it and it's chocolate milk always and mm -hmm. yeah whereas you're right exactly yeah and whereas a lot of the locals out there same deal like i i spent way more time in the badlands than they ever have in their whole life right? yeah yeah uh, and again you just they just take it for granted mm -hmm. right yeah huh and so horses for you you're thinking get another one eventually go on some of these other long-term hunts have you ever done more than two weeks have you done would you ever do like a 30-day hunt i guess at a certain point is it even uh yeah I, I definitely would i'd have nothing against it yeah. i mean like that's what i was saying you know most guys like when we're elk hunting you know it's like after the two weeks they're like ready to go down you know yeah and that's what actually the last we're packing up and there's a cowboy that he was looking for cattle you know because they got open grazing lease on the national forest where we're hunting mm -hmm. and he had been up there a few days before he's looking for some cattle i mean lost cattle but not really lost like they're just somewhere out there you know it's kind of how they're running but there's mm -hmm. not they're not fenced in or anything they didn't jump a fence they just wandered up there but right and then the last day he was there and that's what he was like oh you guys are probably ready to go home eh and it's like most of the guys are ready to go home and i was like oh i could stay another two weeks i wouldn't have any issue you know right yeah you get to uh does it take you for a bit like on that two-week hunt to get to the point where you're like moving at the pace of the mountains or whatever it might be or you're actually your brain's relaxed or whatever yeah it definitely does but i think it's get it's gotten a lot faster okay now because i've done it enough now that yeah and then too like elk hunting is different it's a lot faster pace too yeah it's you know you're just moving and calling and i mean you're in timber like i mean you could still hunt up on them and stuff but it's just it's you're better off just moving and calling until you get one that's gonna talk and then you call them in but yeah sure but still even like the uh I don't know if you get this like the business of life right like you're working you're doing this you're paying your bills you're always just on right mm -hmm. moving quick right and it feels like it takes for me anyways when i go hunt morning hunts or day hunts up here i don't know i hardly ever get out of that right yeah. I, I, I force i try to force myself to but yeah. my brain doesn't slow down to the point where if i'm doing one of these week hunts by like day three or day four i, I notice like midday i don't feel like this pressure to go find deer or something necessarily like maybe take yeah. a nap or whatever like you're just more chill and yeah. it feels like that's when you're a better hunter right when you're not feeling like you need to do this crazy amount of mm -hmm. whatever it might be right but yeah yeah and that's what i feel like i've gotten like like that's for sure that's how it was but i think i've gotten a lot better at it because that was the same thing like usually the first few stocks of the year mm -hmm. are like you might as well throw them out the window because you don't have the patience right. where like now it's like i probably get a if it's a halfway decent opportunity like before you know on a stock it's like you know one in ten stocks or whatever yeah. i don't know what that exact number is but you know mm -hmm. one in ten you get a shot right 
where it's like now i stock very few deer right and it's like almost every time i get a shot yeah yeah i remember that i think that's actually partially what helped me when i to like break the the mold of start getting some archery mule there was i think you or nels or somebody said like mule deer have no time like you think you have a yeah. time right yeah that's what my my dad always said that you know yeah. like hunting up here or whatever you know like he's like survive there's no time limit on survival right you know and when you think about it, it's like yeah like they they can wait all day for something because it's their their life where you're always fighting dark you yeah. know fighting dark or like i gotta be back to work at yeah. 11 a.m or whatever yeah right? yeah whereas that that for me was a big help is like when i'm stalking this mule there hey like and for some reason you put this pressure on like hey i'm in here i gotta get in i gotta go right now whatever it yeah. might be. it's like no a deer is in its second bed gonna be there for a long time sun's not gonna hit it for four and a half hours or whatever yeah there's no such thing as time to him so if mm -hmm. you got to sit there and not move for an hour and a half well that's what you got to do right yeah that, that for me was a difference maker i feel like once i started having yeah. some success yeah and then like for me too now it's like i've i've got the uh you know i got the experience that i have the confidence to know that you're f very little do you mess up by being too slow yeah like 99 percent of the time you'll blow them out because you're going too fast for sure every once in a while you'll stalk too slow and they'll get up and move or whatever right but it's like very very little is that what happens mm -hmm. and it's the same thing with when you get a shot you always have more time than you think for sure which i still that's that's probably where i struggle the most i i get in a rush once i'm at full draw yeah you know i draw my bow and I'll, it's like i get there's like two two trains and if i get on the wrong train right it's yeah. it's not good <laughs> <laughs> that's why you do it right for yeah. that excitement right but yeah for sure there's a thing where it's like okay you hear a guy he goes hunts misses eight deer because you missed guess the range on eight of them and it's like hey you should have took the time to range them and sure you went to get yeah. shots off on four of them but the four other four you would have or whatever yeah. right? but again it's hard to do situationally mm -hmm. like you're there in the moment you in your head that deer's a, a second away from exploding is like yeah it's all i got yeah 35 yards turns out is 48 or whatever mm -hmm. right? but, um yeah for sure but no i i did i did this thing too where it's like in my head you talk about doubts when you shot that white tail right mm -hmm. I, I got doubts every single stock i'm like as soon as that deer's out of sight i'm like no he's gone took off out of the country right but i have yeah. trained myself like that deer is always there right yeah yeah and that that's what like i talked about that too like before i never could like it was hard to stock anything if i didn't see a bed yeah we're like now many times especially in the badlands like that's why i've always said like the whole like bed them down and stalk them right. like that and don't go after them if they're on their feet mm -hmm. that's a mountain hunting thing like For that's sure. when you're hunting a big mountain base and that you can see the whole thing right like and you watch the deer bed when you're hunting the badlands it's rare that you have the, the opportunity to watch them feed in the morning and watch them bed mm -hmm. they go over a hill they go through a fold whatever you don't see them actually bed down right but it's like the way i hunt i usually go as soon as i can i get as close as i can yeah and then i'll just hang there until an opportunity arises like i'll yeah. follow a deer at 300 yards until it's like okay either he beds or he's feeding 
and it's like oh there's a good spot i'll be able to get to here and pop over and he'll feed by or whatever you know Mm -hmm. but like now i've got the confidence where many times i'll watch a deer disappear into a little brushy draw or whatever and go stock it you know yeah and then or either go close and get you know 150 yards away where i can look into there and sit there and glass it for for a couple hours and then he's gonna stand up yeah right no that's when i was hunting out there that's what i got to the point is that i i made a ton of stocks and again moving way too quick right but ton of stocks on deer like i know he's in this bowl the bowl is 60 yards wide or whatever yeah like get in there find him and i'd get in there and he would see me before i seen it right again mm-hmm. just moving too quick not taking time to even though it look like why would i glass this hillside that i can see totally with my naked eyes but it's like no glass the dang hillside you know because yeah. you'll find it right yeah. but either way not doing those things uh, finds it before it finds me. I got to the point where I said, "Hey, I'm gonna. I'm not stalking another deer till I find one. Uh, till I bet it, right?" And and one of the spots I hunted was more prone to that. Like I actually could quite frequently find a deer, bet it down, yeah, go after it, right. Uh, but then I'd get to the point where okay, like yeah, go around the corner, never comes out. Okay, he's in there bedded. As I do a loop around, and again, same deal. Get to 300 yards and just sit there and pick it apart till you find a bedded, and then sneak in there or whatever yeah. it be. But it feels like you have this extra thing where. I still, if I'm going to go archery hunt North Dakota or anywhere, right, I still want to find embedded and still want to loop around and find embedded again, whatever, before I even get within 50 yards of where I know he is. But it feels like you have this extra thing where you've got this extra sneak mode or something like that, right? Uh, Did you, did your dad teach you some of that or is it instinct or or where does that come from? I I don't know. I think a lot of that is just like time and I mean, I've, I've just done it more than most people ever have you know yeah. like because that's i hunt on my gut i don't do a ton of of like analytics when i'm yeah. sitting there watching a deer or something right like, it's just like all i just got the feeling like okay go and i get i'll get as close as i can so i'll try to get like within striking distance as quick as i can mm-hmm. you know? obviously if it's if it's late in the morning it's hard to do that because it's like they're about to bed so yeah then a lot of times i'll hang but it's like if i if i'm at a thousand yards away from them mm-hmm. and i think i can get to 500 yards and be able to see them again yeah i'll do it every time right I'll, like as soon as i think that's possible i do it yeah and then because then it's like now i'm at 500 yards right and then it's like now if he makes a mistake i'm halfway closer you know yeah how often do you not find them again is it pretty rare i'm saying like from the like part of the deal is okay they're at a thousand yards and i've got eyes on them i want to keep eyes on them as long as i can if you got to dip down a valley come up a ridge and then you have 500 yards that might take you 20 minutes or whatever right how often in that amount of time have you lost them and not not that you need to like yeah keep stats but i mean it's it's generally i'm pretty good at knowing when to do that and okay. i generally will see them again but sure. sometimes you know it's just not possible whatever and then you end up losing them at a thousand yards sure right but but then at least you know your your time of seeing them is longer so you can get a general direction on where they're heading or whatever and then right i've actually gotten far better like i bet now at like when i watch a deer that i want to go after and i lose it at like finding it again it's probably more like like you know 65 70 percent of the time i find them again right where when i first started it was you just blow them out most of the time you know yeah but 
for sure. And what about, is there a thing like, <clears throat> again, like we, we started hunting out there similar time, right? Yeah. I hunted for four years or so, five years, and then came up here and I will still do like rife hunt Montana, but still, I mean, you don't get anywhere near the experience in a week out there compared to what yeah. you're spending a whole fall. Right. So clearly, I mean, you've got tons of time you get, I feel like, okay, I was at the point of feeling confident, but you're to the point of feeling like, Hey, like this is like part of my nature, right? Whatever it might be. I'll, I'll yeah. put words in your mouth. I'm not trying to say you're trying to say I'm the best or whatever. Right. But I'm just saying you get that much time. It's just something that becomes a part of you. Right. Yeah. But where am I going with that? Other than like, <sighs> I mean like the, in my head, like in a, when i'm stalking a deer like there's like a total confidence right i don't there's like you know in my head there's no one that could do it better yeah right i feel like you have to be like that right yeah but also it's just a matter of time right yeah. yeah yeah and then just like i mean like that's a that's what i love about like spot and stock is so fun because it's like like sitting in a tree stand you're just sitting there mm-hmm. sitting there that's easy patience in my opinion right that's the easiest patience yeah because it's like there's not what are you gonna do climb down and go walk around right no, you're just gonna sit in your tree stand yeah but stalking it's like it's so easy to get in a rush that that's hard to hold that back you know mm-hmm for sure. As we're talking here, I'm looking up a quote that I sent you before, but before I get into that, I want to like, so what I was, what I was leading to is even like, okay, so I did a, a small amount of helping out with the outfitter this fall. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and I was the new guy. So typically I was either looking for a backup deer or whatever it might be, but like a few days I got to take my own guy out archery hunting, whatever. When that, in that case, like I flip into a total different mode. Like yeah. I'm, typically i don't know if you'd say passive but typically more reserved laid back whatever but once we were hunting it was like no it's on like yeah. let's go like and it's like we need to i i can't even shut it off right like mm-hmm. where you're like this is what we have to do and this is what we're going to do right now or whatever like yeah. it's like do you get in that mode where like you're hunting with your nephew or hunting out whatever it might be and it's like i don't know it's hard you turn into yeah. a different person almost yeah and i like i, I actually haven't hunted a ton with other people you know as far as out there and stuff yeah but but yeah it's uh it's definitely like that that's what i love about it it's like it's a total you become i mean you become an animal when you're stalking you know not really but it's like you you know it's like there's nothing and it's like every leaf every Mm -hmm. you know like this year i had to on a buck and i screwed that one up screwed the shot up but i was within 45 yards for like two and a half hours you know yeah but you're uh yeah there's something about it though like you go in this different mode it's almost like you go into predator mode or something like you said right or like you're saying but like your senses are heightened you're mm-hmm. i don't know it's hard to describe there's something about it like that rush of making a stock and going on a deer and the whole bit and it's a crazy amount of rush once you're in there but even that that feeling like pre like when you're a thousand yards out even that that hiking into the to a hundred yards which you're not even you're not even on the hunt i guess you're, yeah. you're in the act of hunting but you're not even yeah. in like hunting mode yet right but still that whole bit is just unreal like, yeah. yeah yeah and that's what it's there's like two two levels on a stock so generally that time you know especially out there you have terrain yeah so it's like from you can get to a thousand yards 
to 200 yards like now yeah. like i'm moving right uh, like i've ran yeah there's been many times i've been running right you know and then it's like then you get to like 200 yards and you start cranking down the speed and mm-hmm. turning up the stealth and then it's like 100 yards in it's like you dial it down to nothing yeah you're like going you gotta pick what where your foot is gonna fall or right where the pressure on your foot is going to be yeah yeah and then a lot of times too and depending on the country a lot of times then i'll be starting to get down on my hands and knees yeah and part of that too sometimes i've thought about it i'm like i think part of the reason why when you get down on your hands and knees it becomes more effective is because you're forced to go slow yeah for sure you you can't crawl fast it's just not especially out there you'll be you'll be picking cactus for weeks if you just crawl with reckless abandon yeah for sure and that's part of the benefit of the hiking in your socks too right yeah same deal it just forces you to slow down yeah on top of being quieter than your boots is like you've got a minefield of cactus out here Mm -hmm. you gotta slow down yeah but no there's a kind of this debate of like some people are like man mule deer they're pretty dumb eh? right yeah we've talked about that right yeah it's like sure a young buck is pretty dumb right just like well that's what i've said too i'm like mule deer are dumb because nobody shoots big mule deer yeah no one from up here no i'll bet that's i told people i bet 95 percent of the deer people from the east shoot out west are three and a half years old or younger right for sure uh so yeah a younger deer just like a young spike go right now hike in the woods find a spike it's gonna look yeah. at you and say hey what's going on buddy you know right and then and then part of it is too like just the the uh mule deer and whitetails have a different strategy mm-hmm. for survival right a whitetail is distance a yeah. whitetail puts distance between it and a predator a mule deer puts obstacles yeah right. you kick up a mule deer he runs straight up he bounces straight up a hill and over the top yeah he puts a hill between you a whitetail sees you and he just runs right as far and fast as he can yeah and whitetail can be really skittish too right but the quote i sent you and this to me was from theodore roosevelt right you remember this a few years maybe yeah i'm gonna go through it here it's a long one but a man who is hardy, resolute, and a good shot has come nearer to realizing the ideal of a bold and free hunter than is the case with one who is merely stealthy and patient. And so, though to kill a whitetail is rather more difficult than to kill a mule deer, yet the chase of the latter, the mule deer, is certainly the nobler form form of sport, for it calls into play and either develops or implies the presence of much more manly qualities than the, does the other. But as regards to the amount of manly sport furnished by the chase of each, the whitetail should stand at the bottom of the list and the elk and mule deer abreast of the antelope. But kind of interesting. And I th- he in his in his writing, he talks about blacktail instead of mule deer, but same thing. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and again, it's not, I don't take that and say, hey, like whitetail hunting is a low form of a sport, but there's it does put into words yeah. kind of like what that whole deal is. Because to hunt mule deer and hunt, to hunt mule deer well – it's like uh, uh, you have to be the total package almost, right? Yeah, yeah, and especially like big mule deer. It's a different. It's a different. They're a different animal, you know. Yeah, for sure. No, a different animal than a three and a half year old mule deer. For yeah. sure, right? Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, you come from eastern whitetails, and a three and a half year old mule deer is a big buck, yeah. <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it, but right. 
yeah that first uh first time i ever went out in the badlands and glass uh went with michael massey seen that first deer and it was a young buck in hindsight right but yeah. i just was blown away like yeah 14 inch spread or whatever you know mm-hmm. just like hey, yeah. what is going on yeah here? i mean you know, like, like two-year-old mule deer are bigger than most of the bucks people shoot up here you know right yeah no but i there's something about it again where i again in hindsight i romanticize it so even taking this quote here right that theodore roosevelt talks yeah. about and, and and saying hey this is like a nobler form of sport and again i love whitetail hunting right i just yeah. went out this weekend i enjoy the heck out of it but yeah there's something about it well that's uh you know people are all oh, mule deer are dumb in my honest opinion out there having spot and stock hunted both i've killed three whitetails sure with the bow spot and stock hunting yeah that one was big that was i mean that's probably overall that's probably the bit like you know by by size of the species and everything that's Hmm. probably the biggest buck i haven't killed a mule deer like that would be bigger as a mule deer you know sure right and i've killed bigger mule deer than that buck but yeah i think that buck as a whitetail is you know more of a trophy or whatever sure right but and i've killed the two other whitetails with the bow yeah and i would say like whitetails are as easy to kill yeah. out there spot and stock as mule deer sure they're just they just generally live in different country that's harder to hunt okay right yeah and and pretty limited experience myself on a western whitetail level yeah right? so i'm exp- i'm comparing a, a western mule deer versus what uh, like upper Michigan whitetail, yeah, right? Yeah, and and even that, like I'm comparing it to somebody just told me the other day. Some of the big name hunters that are like really developed themselves in like Ohio, Wisconsin, Illinois, or even out west, like a ton of them come from Michigan. Yeah, uh, and and they were explaining. And I, I'm curious if this is true. Is like the the take a UP hunt, right? Like if you're gonna go out there and hike around and find a whitetail, like that's a hard hard hunt, right? Yeah. If you can take those skills and bring them elsewhere, all of a sudden you're a rock star compared yeah. to what a lot that, of guys are willing that's to That's what I think one thing about like growing up whitetail hunting is like a lot of the ways to hunt whitetail, it relates to everything else. Yeah. You know, because that's like the stealth and patience is universal in hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, For sure. Like, but then it's hard to like, you can't bring elk calling to deer, you know? Right. I mean, you and they do call during the rut white tails are a lot more prone to come into calls in the rut but yeah yeah but no there's uh there's a yeah who knows and again you can i think you're you're it's typical to take whatever you're involved in or whatever you know again say you're from the up and elevate it to this higher level right but like there's this in my head there's this thought process that makes sense of like a lot of us when we were hunting out there it was unbelievable right just having yeah. a blast and you still are right but it's just unreal anywhere out west you go hunt is is, is awesome and like we're having a blast and i'm working with guys like ah i don't go hunt anymore there's no deer left and i'm like i saw mm-hmm. 29 bucks this morning and 80 does or whatever you know i don't know yeah like the summertime scouting i'm not trying to skip yeah. the numbers right like yeah during season usually you're not gonna see that much but either way i'm just saying like clearly there's deer everywhere yeah and maybe your your caliber of deer is different potentially compared to what they're expecting but either way there's this thing where it's like i've hunted seasons up here like uh, sitting right not so much anymore but like sit 30 plus days and see one deer it's like yeah. talk about some patience growing yeah right? whereas like yeah. oh there 
you take that same patience potentially and bring it out there and it's like yeah you Mm -hmm. potentially could be pretty effective right yeah yeah and then i mean it don't matter where you are what you are there's always people are going to complain it's always a game and fish fault sure they can't kill a big buck right yeah put it on somebody else it's just the way people are just the nature of people yeah yeah no there's uh that's why there's big bucks that's what i always say when i get frustrated with people i'm like well it's a good thing they're like that because that's why they're still big bucks yeah. if everybody hunted right you could they would do a number on big bucks yeah right no there's something about it I, uh hard to explain right hard, yeah hard to fully uh put it into words for what it is but do you have a uh I got one last question unless you've got anything else thinking about and we could go down tons of different rabbit holes right but uh horses are a big part of it right but do you have like a current well you said you want to go do the unlimited hunt but do you have like is mule deer still number one is whitetail number one is pronghorn it's probably mule deer i mean I, i they're just and then it's spot and stock hunting in general i don't necessarily i'm not that worried about what animal i'm chasing but yeah. spot and stock hunting is by far my favorite it's just a different yeah you know it's just you're forced to to get to dial it back and mm-hmm. you know like you have to like become a part of the landscape you know yeah and w- with that spot and stock do you what's glassing for you like i love glassing to the point where i'll just go glass for the fun of it or even if yeah. whatever is glassing just a tool for the hunt for you or do you really appreciate the glassing side i like glassing too i like i mean before out there it's like i never seen a coyote hunt yeah you know it's cool to watch coyotes hunt right they're you know i've seen them mousing many times like they're you know moving through the grass and then they'll stop and the head will tilt to the side and they'll they'll pounce you know yeah and or i've seen them chase deer too which i'm sure it was you know i'd never seen it but i'm sure they they just test deer like that you know like four coyotes come rolling through and they bump this doe and they run after her for like 200 yards yeah. and it's like they're just testing like is she messed up or does she trip or whatever it's just like a little mm-hmm. oh no she's got it figured out that's gonna be too much work and then they just go on about their day yeah right oh, i've seen that too right and it's pretty cool to see like all that kind of stuff right yeah like i, I got one video where i was watching a coyote on a hillside trying to protect a carcass and crows dive bombing it and stuff like yeah. that like yeah a lot of cool things you see yeah yeah but in uh we should do a follow-up but sometime down the road right whatever it is a year two years three years but i'd be excited to hear although there's kind of this element of like you don't want to talk about it too much right but even just hear about your unlimited sheep hunt or yeah whatever else or where horses take you or whatever it might be but yeah, yeah. Fun, fun to hear about yeah but thanks for hopping on appreciate it Ricky. yeah no problem yeah. hey guys thank you for listening today i hope you enjoyed it if you have and you feel so inclined share this podcast with your friends subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and give us some feedback with a review until next time thank you <laughs>